Hi, welcome to How to Be a Human Leader Without Losing Your Job. Explore the wealth of experience and guidance in human leadership for today's fast-paced business world. Get ready to lead with heart, supercharge your career, and engage with us on all major stream platforms, including YouTube. I'm Roberto Torres, a seasoned startup engineering leader, along with Chris Olerkin, a Fortune 100 IT leader. Today, we will discuss when we don't have a training budget for the whole team, whom do we send? Are you ready for the discussion, Chris? Absolutely, Roberto, and I'll tell you, limited budgets are, are always a problem for many things, and training is a very sensitive one for a humane leader. Yeah, indeed. And um, have you faced this before? Always, always. We, we always had limited budgets for everything, and, uh, and the training budget were very precious dollars. We, we, if you had a team of 10, just to keep math easy, it would be rare for you to have a training budget that would allow you to send even 50% or five of the people um, to technical training. So this is something we faced uh, as even as junior managers all the way through uh, being directors and leaders. You just you have to start thinking about who are you going to send and wh what some of your criteria is for deciding uh, who gets to go. It's it's a very sensitive topic because it it impacts people's careers. Um, it gives them mixed signals on feedback. Hey, you didn't send me. You sent somebody else. You know, you need to be able to think that through as a humane leader. Yeah, I think um, I think with time, or excuse me, the last decades have been easier than before. You know, back in the 90s and the uh, old, uh, you know, the 2000, you had to send someone to a physical facility to train them. But for the last 10 years, maybe there are some alternatives. Instead of paying, I don't know, maybe a course which is really expensive and it has to be uh, I don't know, given by someone special, maybe finding something like that in Udemy or uh, an alternative platform to do the same. And with that, you just spread it to the whole team. In, no? in some cases, yes. Um, we did typically have subscription services for the whole company where at least everybody could get some training because the uh, catalog of classes uh, like that that were available to the whole company were kind of free. In other words, they paid enough so that you could send anybody to the video level classes. What I'm talking about is really when you have to uh, discriminate and your training budget is is set and for for that kind of physical training maybe it is to send them to somebody maybe it's not traveling out of the town maybe you're in a big enough town but it's hands-on training to do something and you know what I found in my experience if again using the 10 person team as the example I might have really a top performer number one out of the 10 this person's super intelligent, does a lot of research on their own, uh, typically at home has a bunch of computers, so sometimes they're getting the trial versions of things and then installing it at home because at the moment we're not maybe researching how to use that particular tool at work. 
And so you might look at your training budget and say, well, my number one person has already learned way more than they would learn in the class at home. So why would I send them to five days of technical training? Well, you probably wouldn't, but as a humane leader, you better talk to that number one performer before you announce the decision to send the number two, three, and four person to class so that they don't, you don't get, send them the mixed signal that they're not number one. So sometimes making a training budget decision has other connotations or people can interpret that as a reward for being a top performer. And if you're top performer, you don't want to spend those dollars on it for a particular reason. You should absolutely be talking to that person before you make a general announcement or they may feel slighted that you're not sending them to training, even though it's because they're significantly more intelligent than the rest of the team. They're more motivated than the rest of the team. They're a self-starter more than the rest of the team. All the reasons you'd want to reward them with training, but they already covered it already. So never assume that that number one performer um, knows that's what you're thinking and why you're leaving them out of the training. Because if you tell them after you make the announcement, they won't believe you. Oh yeah, yeah indeed. The, the communication is essential over here. Well, in, in any scenario in the end. But the thing is, when you know, um, you fully know the intrinsic motivations of your team, it's easier for you to convey the message. Otherwise, it will be really difficult. Uh, and let me tell you something else. The thing about <clears throat> chosen which members, uh, which other team members you, you should send is also whom do you think has the most potential to gain from this project? And what I mean to gain is maybe this person, it's if you, if you number them from one to 10, maybe the seventh or the eighth, should I send them? Yes, because maybe I have seen the full potential of these guys. Maybe they don't have as much knowledge or the one or the two. So I will maybe send them because I think that this person could have the most potential to thrive with this software, with this application, with this framework. So also is to understand which of the team members to Thrive has the best performance. And with that, some of them might say, hey, maybe the three or the four, why don't you send me? And if you communicate with them, not talking about this person, you know, the seven or the eight, but say uh, that you see them maybe in another career path, or you see them using another application or language or something like that, they will understand because we have to have a balance with our team. We cannot have a full uh, number one for SQL, let's say, for instance, or for Cisco, something like that. We have, you know, to balance some in something and some in, in others. Abs absolutely agree with you. You know, you've got it. I think we talked in other episodes around the the company or the team is is not 
family and lots of times humane leaders think we need to think about it like family. It's not. It's a team and you're coaching and you're picking players and you're trying to achieve a balance that provides the winning combination. And sometimes that means your players seven and eight need better skills to contribute more to the team. And you're right. Players two and three in that list are going to be mad that seven and eight got to go to the training and they did not. But again, by explaining your um, how you're allocating the funds, explaining to the team the whole contribution, how you see everybody participating in the overall team to win, they'll hopefully understand that better. Because I do think frequently, uh, in my experience, your number two and number three team members are are actually more likely to move on to other roles and other teams, maybe still within the company, but they're actually more likely to move on to other roles in my experience than your number one person, because frequently they're not getting as much attention as your number one person. Your number one person's probably getting more accolades, more recognition for the successes, because that's part of the reason what happens to number ones, right? And so number two and number threes, they're like, well, gosh, in this team, number one is number one. And I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to achieve that there. So maybe I need to look into broadening my skills and I'm going to go diagonally to another team and get some more skills. And maybe I can end up being number one there. It is a very dynamic decision in terms of how to allocate those training dollars. But you, you have to consider a lot of different functions that are taking place in your team and and where are your gaps who's gonna who's gonna learn the most from it in other words you're spending those dollars and get the most value out of it um does does your does your number five person they're very dedicated to the company they've been in several other teams already they've been in the company longer than most other people you probably want to reward that kind of uh, person also, right? Maybe they're probably never going to be number one, but maybe they're going to be the person who stays with the company the longest, will be in the most different roles in the organization, and there will have that tribal knowledge of the company that is very hard to replace. Somebody who's been with the company let's say 10 years, if it's a smaller startup, that's a long, long time. Well, they have a lot of tribal knowledge then and, and it could be the more valuable overall to the company than the number one player in your subset team of 10. So in that case, you may want your, your, your fifth person, your middle person, who's been there with the most longevity, has been with the company the longest, you may want to reserve one of your seats. So let's just pretend we got three seats of training. Uh, number five may have a very high priority to take one of those training seats because of the overall value to the company. Maybe it's only number five. They're only number five in your team. But when you look at their background, they've been in three other teams. They've been in networking. They've been in database. They've been in applications. They've been in the ERP team. Wow, this person's got a lot of company insight. I need to reward them because I don't wish to lose them to the outside. So sometimes there's there's factors like that that the humane leader needs to weigh weigh in on and think about 
in making that training decision. Yeah, also one thing that any human leader has to um, have the real facts is about the soft skills of the other team members, because we are only speaking about hard skills. Okay, we have a number one, we have a number 10, but how do they have high soft skills in which they can process the rejection? Because that is one thing that, and the frustration as well. Do they have emotional intelligence to process this, to convey their emotions, and to understand what is going on? If they do not, maybe number one is number 10 in soft skills, no? Because they, they will fail, maybe betrayed. Oh, why did you didn't set me because I needed that? Well, I don't know, something like that. But we had to talk with our team and to understand their soft skills. Maybe there is a guy or a gal who has high soft skills and will understand better. But maybe there is not other one who has it. So we have to do maybe to those which we will identify one of ones. We will have a uh, group meeting, a team meeting, excuse me. But we had to do previously to that and maybe follow up a one on one to explore this and, le and level down, uh, not, not level down, level up the, uh, the, um, the understanding of why we did it with them and why we did it with someone else. Yeah, we, we would actually, um, in, in, in my view, you have something that's called the communication plan. Depending on the magnitude of the training and so on, you know, your, your projects always have a communication plan, right? Well, you kind of have to have that plan pre-decided before you make the announcement about the training of who's going to go. All right, maybe you can announce that, you know, people are asking about the budget in January and, hey, you know, when are we going to start allocating the training budget? You can allude to in previous team meetings, yeah, we did get allocated. Here's our allotment. It's X number of dollars and the important things we're going to train on are A, B, and C. Um, and I hope to make some decisions around this in the next few days. So you can kind of pre-open the fact that it's limited amount. These are the topics. But your communication plan, to your point, is knowing the emotional intelligence, knowing that you are going to reject certain people from it and how they're going to react to that, have that planned out and have those discussions. Don't never, never wing or, or impromptu uh, communicate to individuals that you know are going to handle it poorly, right? If you know they've got bad interpersonal skills, you know that their emotional intelligence, they're going to get angry because they got a great big ego. They think they're number one, that they're really number nine. You know, that's that's always a big challenge when people have displaced uh, sense of value. When you know that, then have the communication plan. How are you going to explain to that person, the one that has a displaced value sense, number nine, Number 10, how are you going to explain to them that they are not getting to go to the training? You need to have that thought out and a specific message for them. The person has who truly understands their value to the team and they know, hey, I just got hired into the team. I'm the newest person here. 
I don't know that much yet. I'm new to the company. So I, I kind of expect that I won't get the benefit of training dollars right away because I'm so new. Well, that person's emotional intelligence, your communication plan and what you're going to talk to that person about is going to be really simple because you've had tough conversations with them already. You know how they're going to react. It's going to be easy. The person who's number 10 and thinks they're number one, man, I always hated those conversations the most. Those are the hardest, right? And for those, you got to stick to the facts. You got to present facts. Don't say, I feel, don't say, you should think about this. Don't accuse, stick to the facts. I only have a certain amount of dollars. I can only send three people. Those are facts. So as much as you can be, very fact-based in, in clarifying how come only three people get to go, the better off you'll be with that person who's less emotional intelligent than some of the other team members. But have a plan, because I'm telling you, out of team out of 10, if you're sending three people, seven people are going to be upset to some degree, some more than others. So you have to be ready to talk to the seven a lot more prepared for the seven than for the three who get to go. Indeed. And I have a, a tough question. Let's say, for instance, that, okay, you have a team, team, team member, team, 10 team members, excuse me. And uh, yes, you have three people we will send to this training. But you think that one of them should be you. What do you do? Ooh, you know, um, you know, there there was a time, you know, in my career when I was very technical, hands-on. And sometimes with limited training budgets, so we were talking more about being the humane side. I'll, I'll take a, we'll diverge a little bit and talk about being creative. And we had a limited training budget for a, a technical product. This was called Packeteer. Uh, at the, this was a time when uh, quality of service was new on networks. And it was a device that allowed you to prioritize network traffic when pipes were a lot smaller and a lot more expensive. I, I, to be honest, I don't even know if they still exist. Um, I don't work in networking uh, anymore and haven't for a long time. But I had limited training dollar, but the whole team needed to be able to support the product. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And 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 certainly the team, you know, there from in terms of skills, the team definitely you could rank one to ten kind of thing. But what I investigated was for my amount of training budget, I could bring the trainer on site with equipment that we had already purchased because we knew we were going to implement it. So for the limited training budget that I had, I was able to train the whole team, attend myself, and do it on our campus with our equipment. It only cost me flying the instructor in and buying the materials. So we got a custom class just for us on site for the whole team. So I'm dodging the hard, hardest question is sometimes you can be creative. Now, here's, here's the, the humane leader aspect where I really want to attend. In 99% of the time, I will just swallow my pride and not go. If, if I'm, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, in one of my early, early roles as a leader, I was a Unix administrator. And we had, we were switching from, um, 
Novell Netware and stuff, and we were going to start using SunOS and HP UX uh, in some of our engineering servers. I also had on-call support duties. So even though I was the team manager, I had support duties. I ended up doing all the learning on my own, borrowing the materials from the other team members who went to class. I had to teach myself. So self-sacrifice in that situation was a, maybe I was slower to learn it because I had to kind of do it in my spare time, do it with my other job duties in the office. I mean, clearly my boss knew I was studying the class materials there at the office because he could see the stuff open on my desk. But for myself, my personal answer to that question was I sent the others and I, I forced myself to learn on my own by going through the class materials. And it was painful. It took me a lot longer. Um, but I think I actually learned a lot more that way because I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Fortunately, none of them fatal to our systems. But, uh, but for me, I think the humane leader sometimes has to do what's called taking a bullet for the team, suffering for the team. And, and, you know, what does that mean? That means you may have to learn on your own. That may mean you have to study at home. That may mean um, that it's you're not going to learn it as well as the rest of the team members or as quickly. But that kind of self-sacrifice and, and the team sees you that you did that. Then when you have this, you know, three out of 10 decision, and let's say they've seen that you've taken the time and effort to learn certain things on your own because there's a limited budget, they'll realize that you make hard decisions and you could have taken the easy way out. Well, I'm taking one of the three seats. Well, <clears throat> by doing it the hard way, they, you, you show your compassion for, look, I recognize not everybody can go and I'm going to do it, do it here on my own. And certainly that, you know, for the seven out of 10 who don't get to go to training, we would always make available the books, the training material. If we sent you to class, we expect you to have the training materials in in the office so people could borrow them and and potentially do the class, you know, with the with the materials if that's possible. So that's my answer. What what would you do? Okay, <laughs> you put fire to me. Well, it's a pretty good question. Uh, and I, I have faced it before, and let me tell you why. When first I jumped, well, I began escalating uh, from junior, mid, senior, lead, and I had a management position. I was so, you know, fired up with everything related to code. And I had, I didn't have a team of 10, I had a team of two. And suddenly there was only, um, budget for one person or two for one so in my mind i thought i will i will go you know because i was the senior this person was one junior one mid i will i will have to go but since i wasn't on the technical track but i was more in the management track i had to realize that i wasn't going to be as hands-on as I used to be before. So, as you mentioned, it wasn't self-sacrifice. It was to recognize that was that I was in a different track, in a track where 
business management processes, wherein not the technical track in which my uh, coders, my engineers were, which they thought about coding, frameworks, methodologies, etc. So what I did was to recognize where I was in and chose, I don't know, remember which one, but I chose one of them. So I asked you this question because when we were maybe uh, someone from the audience were in a technical track, they think or they thought that they should be the ones in the in the training. But when you're in a management track, it has to be the opposite. It has to be to the ones who are going to provide the most value to the team, to the company, to the project. So we must step aside and let the others uh, take the curse. Without a doubt, I, I completely agree with you. And and it's tough. And that's just part of maturing as a humane leader. As as you progress along the management track, you need to be aware of technical terms, aware of what they mean, but your specific skill set in manipulating technical uh, systems will decline the higher up the hierarchy of the management uh, in the company you go, without a doubt. Yeah, indeed. Oh, well, I think uh, with this all kind of scenarios that could happen to anyone, it's important to, for any humiliator to recognize which member of the team will have the highest value from there. Uh, the decision will be easier, not conveying the message to the team, but it will be easier. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, completely agree. Great. Well, with that, we can do the wrap up. Well, thanks for tuning on on another episode of How to Be a Human Leader with our Lucy Job. Apply today's insights to become a better leader. Are you a human leader with a unique story? Join the conversation and inspire others. Reach out to be our guest. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Roberto. Have a good weekend.